and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here and so happy to introduce my special guest this week, Ari Afsar. So Ari Afsar is a singer and songwriter with placements on ABC, Disney, and Amazon. She is a graduate of ethnomusicology from UCLA and just released her concept album distributed by Sony Masterworks, We Won't Sleep, which is a Broadway-bound musical which was developed at the O'Neill's National Music Theater Conference, which is where we connected. I was lucky enough to read stage directions for the reading of this new musical. Ari is also a singer and has opened for people like Michelle Obama, Gloria Steinem, Jane Fonda, Madeline Albright, Misty Copeland, Michelle Kwan, Ani DeFranco, and opened at the ACLU National Conference with Brian Stevenson as the keynote speaker. Her credits include starring in the upcoming Netflix original movie, Wedding Season. She originated Eliza in Chicago's Hamilton, was Miss California in 2010, was in the top 10 at Miss America in 2011, and was in the top 36 of American Idol. She is the co-founder of Until We Do It, which provided masks to communities disproportionately affected by COVID-19. In this episode, we talk about all kinds of things relating to activism and the role and the responsibility of the artist, how to find your collaborators and mentors, cultural representation in the arts, the making of her new musical called We Won't Sleep, which was formerly known as Jeanette. And so in this episode, you'll hear us talk about Jeanette, which was what it used to be called, but it was recently announced um, with a new name change that it will be in the 2021-22 season at Signature Theater in Washington, D.C., which is very exciting for a new musical to be in the season of a major theater like that. So we talk a little bit about the making of that musical. We talk about being a multi-hyphenate artist. You know, she's a singer, songwriter, storyteller, activist, um, composer, lyricist, all of those things. So we talk about how to balance all of those different roles and find the common thread throughout all of the different things that you do and the power of art to affect both cultural and political change. Ari is someone I look up to so much. I think she's so cool. She does all of these different things and she's also incredibly talented. Her voice is, I could listen to her voice all day and I literally listen to the music from Jeanette or now it's called We Won't Sleep all the time. It just gets you in my, that soul feeling. And so I've linked the Spotify link where you can listen to the whole album. So definitely check that out. Can't wait for you to hear this episode with Ari. Hi, Ari. Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. Hello. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited. So the first question that I always start off with is what is currently fueling your creative soul? Oh my goodness. What is currently... Fueling my creative soul. 
I think is having really incredible collaborators. Mm. Folks that continue to hold me accountable, that continue to have the same vision for um, the future and for artistic endeavors, uh, those individuals are fueling my soul. Mm, I love that answer. And I think like collaboration and community is something that's always needed, but especially yeah. needed now. And so I'm curious for you, like, how do you find those collaborators? How do you find people that share a like-minded vision? Yeah. And because I know it's really hard to, to find that for people sometimes. It's totally hard and sometimes you're wrong, right? And so yeah. and I think that is understanding. I, I think I think the main thing is like starting in friendship. And the, and, and, and the reality is also, it's like how I even get to connect with collaborators is our shared vision for the future our shared vision for those are the people that I end up being friends with. And so because of that, I think that there's just that reality of, of being unapologetically vocal about the things that I care about. And then I gravitate to those people who are of similar ideals. And then that's where collaboration just starts to come because we start talking about the future. We start talking about the reality of how the things that we want to change or the beliefs that we have and the power of art. And because those conversations happen so organically, in the very beginning of, people, of meeting new people, I think then collaboration happens very quickly after that. Mm, beautiful. Will you give us a little example of like the vision that you have for the world? Because I think you play such an important role in, in making change happen and you're so vocal about that. And so will you just kind of give us a little like overview of yeah. what uh -huh. the best case future world look like? Sure. Big question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, and that's why collaboration is key. And I and I will focus on something specific where I hope every artist has their specificity in which they focus on because we can't try to tackle it all on by with one project and and one individual and one collaboration. But I think the reality is kind of taking a bigger step out. Is I, I say this a lot, and it kind of sounds cheesy, but I think that art changes culture and culture changes policy. And I'm really interested in making cultural change that affects political change. And, and so whatever that may be, and I think the reality is as an artist and depending on who I work with, that focus on what cultural change or what type of conversations happen, depending on where I am in the world, depending on the world, right? Depending on who I'm collaborating with. But I think it always just starts with a question. Why is it the way that it is? Whatever it may be. Why is it the way that it is? Whatever that... And I think starting from a place of curiosity and a place of inquisition, that's when collaboration and, and ideas start to, to, to form. Mm, yeah, I love that. Just approaching it with a sense of curiosity. And so for those of us listening who don't know you or your story, will you give us a little bit of a background of who you are and how you got into the work that you do today? Yeah. So artist, singer, songwriter, storyteller, you know, one of the most notable things that uh, I had the honor of, of playing was Eliza in Hamilton back in 2016. And it was a month before the 2016 election happened. And so doing this activism piece eight times a week with, you know, the president that we had it changed the way that I saw art and the power and, and, and truly like made me really focus on what is my responsibility as an artist and, um, and and so then in a, in a selfish way, I got really involved with the Women's March, the United States of Women, and the ACLU. I needed to just surround myself with badass women for my own healing. And, and so I did that, and I, I surrounded myself with incredible folks and individuals who were in activism spaces and, and me just learning and, and trying to help in, in any way possible. And then I started to question, you know, who – in telling the story of our founding fathers eight times a week, it's like, who are our foremothers? 
who are the people that inspire me? And so I got obsessed with this woman, Jeanette Rankin, who was the first woman elected to US federal office four years before the ratification of the 19th Amendment. So she was the first woman voting on giving women the right to vote and then quickly realizing in my naivete that she wasn't actually fighting for me. And realizing the 19th Amendment, which is not taught in schools, is not for every individual and not for every woman. And so realizing that Asian Americans do not get the right to vote until 1952 and every subgroup of and demographic have their own liberation and in voting. And then realizing in, in my search and, and curiosity and my lack of knowledge and understanding that the equitable access to voting still doesn't exist. And that that continues to be a fight. So so then I started composing this musical about Jeanette Rankin. And and really it started off as a concept album that just got released under Sony last year. And then we have some exciting news, um, which is new to you, which I'll say offline, but coming up in the future for next year for this musical. So, um, so it's so it's exciting, and and then that and it doesn't stop there. So then then you know where is the world where all of the worlds can blend and combine? I'm I'm currently on location fo filming for a Netflix movie, the experience of first generation South Asian women, and 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 that's been a privilege to be able to work on and learning you know using art to learn more about myself. What a what a dream and joy. Anyway, this is rambling. This is just my uh, my kind of opening into the world of where art can really make an impact because I've just been learning more about myself throughout the process. And I think that's all that we can ask for. Mm, yeah, that's so beautiful to hear. Like it, it can be this reflection and this impact for change. And like you said, policy change and cultural change, but then also change within and kind of reflecting on like how you exist in those different spaces. And so like you kind of gave an example of, of the journey of finding out Jeanette was the first woman elected to Congress and then realizing that actually that didn't give all women the right to vote. And so as you're kind of, I'm curious, like as you were going through this journey of of learning more about Jeanette, researching, and then creating the musical and creating the songs, like how much has that changed you in the process? And like, what ha what kind of things have you unlearned or like undone within maybe your cultural upbringing or the way that you exist now? Like what, what has that kind of informed or changed? Yeah, I mean, even just like decolonizing myself is, is, is a constant journey and, and using this piece as a vehicle. We all have our own sense of peace or art in, in whatever capacity in order to use it as a vehicle in order to decolonize ourselves. I think there is, there is power in that. How has it changed me? I, you know, I think it's the combination of how has this piece changed me, but also how has this world changed me? I mean, this past year in this pandemic, there's been so much racial awakening and, 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 an opening for so many folks and and revelations and revolutions in this past year and and that continues today and that continues every single day and so how to as things are starting to open up and starting to come back and we're starting to be less virtual how to continue to implement those conversations and questions and curiosity in this you know new normal that we're going to be creating i think that's the reality is that we have to continuously ask so so I'm not really answering your question of how has this changed me? I think the reality is as we continue to ask questions, we're gonna learn more about ourselves and we're gonna learn more about the upbringings and the cultural realities that we had and, and the wrongdoings of learning that we had within, I mean, the reality is just, we have so much unlearning to do and we have so much learning to do as a nation as, and as individuals. So it, it continues, I think, again, it's just like curiosity is the way to do it. 
Yeah, I love that, that it comes back to curiosity. And what, like, I'm, I'm just so curious, like what drives you in this work? Because this work can be so heavy at times and, you know, it, it can be easier to kind of shut it all, fall away and pretend like it doesn't exist. And that probably comes from a space of privilege and especially white privilege, definitely. But like, what, what is that driving, motivating factor for you? And like, how do you keep going when it does get really hard and really tough? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know, as being a biracial woman, I have my own proximity to whiteness. As being Asian American, I have my own proximity to whiteness. But the reality is, you know, I, I can't escape it. I can't escape it. You mm -hmm. know, it, I can easily just turn my face and and then in and lean on my proximity to whiteness as a way to get through it. But the reality is, I can't do that. And so I, I think that with that responsibility, being I, I, with that like reality, they think there is responsibility. And so that is just what I personally want to do. And not everyone has to do that. And everyone has their own journey and everyone has their own, I think, uh, I don't want to, I mean, I'm using this word again, but everybody has their own realization of what their own responsibility is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how to keep going. I just think that there's no other way. I don't know. I think that there's just no other way. And I think the reality is we have to learn the, the biggest thing is how to not get jaded, right? How to not get jaded because we can get angry a lot and how to, st and this is where, again, I'm now kind of having this revelation. I keep talking about curiosity. It's not like something that I always talk about, but like, I think that like learning how to choose your battles, learning how to stay strong and, and how to like reframe situations. So to use your power in the right, in the right space at the right time. I think that that is extremely important to, for me. Now, again, there are so many ways to enter this conversation or to enter the power of art and, and what that responsibility is. There's not one way to do it. And there's not one way. And the reality is we all have to approach it very differently in order for us to make a collective, cohesive change. Um, if we all did it the same way, no work would get done. So I think that I've just discovered that's my way is to, to reframe situations and realize like, okay, I'm learning this. I'm getting this information. I'm not going to use my power at this particular moment. I'm going to wait until later. I'm, this is the time I'm going to say something, whatever it may be. That's just my way in to continue. And again, it, and I think it boils down to like making sure that you're surrounded by folks, like who's your team, who's your squad, who's your crew, where you can be like, is this the time that I do something? No, I'm going to wait or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think having the people that, that know you and understand you and are believe in the same power of art, you can hold each other accountable. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. And like, again, having people reflect that to you and, and knowing that everyone has a role and not everyone's role is going to look the same. And mm -hmm. so how have you found like art as the best way to be that vehicle for change? And like, how have you kind of come to the conclusion or, or the realization of, of your role and like how you can best serve? I mean, I think it's like, we all, no matter what industry you're in, we all have that power. But I think that, I mean, you think about even just during this pandemic, what did people turn to, you know, to be able to entertain and to reflect and to heal was art, you know, art was the, the main force as, as a release, as an escape, as a healing, as a passing the time, as entertainment, whatever it may be, right? Like we absorb art in every single second of every single day, right? And so that has the power to actually change perspectives and change minds. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I believe. And so, so like, yeah, that's the answer to your question. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, and then like, what was the process of you 
like how did you discover your your role and like the best way that you can serve mm-hmm. I guess like like did you you know growing up you you fell in love with music and like was there a moment that you were like this is the way that I can change people's minds or like yeah how did you just like kind of discover your gifts in that way yeah I mean I think it's always it's always evolving I think that it wasn't like now is the moment. I, mean, I think, you know, the, the experience through being in Hamilton a month you know, during the last presidency was hugely informative. I think the reality that Leia Salonga as the voice of Princess Jasmine and Princess Mulan as kind of the only representation for myself who it's not even my own ethnicity to be able to see myself was extremely important. And, and the reality that like, that we need to continue having that, that we need to continue having like little um, children to be able to see themselves, to be able to see the reality of the, 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 the spaces that they can be in because I didn't have that. I didn't have that growing up. You know, I was just like, I was actually watching, this is a little bit of a tangent, but Rizwan Manji is my, is, is one of my co creators on this show that I'm working on. And, and he was showing me the, do you know that cartoon Mira Royal Detective? It's like a, it's a cartoon, I think on the Disney channel. Is it Disney? Yeah, it's on Disney Junior and it's about a South Asian young girl. And they had an episode, he showed me, him and his daughter were actually on it, of Eid Mubarak. And uh, this talking about Eid and celebrating Eid. And, and, and I grew up identifying as Muslim in a kind of uh, extrapolated way, but I, I identified as that. and. And being able to watch the episode, I just started sobbing. I was like, if I had this opportunity, there would have been so much more pride and me even diving, asking more questions. But I wanted to separate myself from that so much in a, in a very subconscious way that I didn't even realize when I was super young. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that type of representation can only happen from, from folks that identify as such, right? And so I think that the continuation of understanding myself and my own cultural identity makes me realize that uh, there's that responsibility. So, uh, so, so, you know, young Ariana doesn't, you know, can have that representation. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and so important that like, yeah, to even not have had that experience as a child and like not seeing yourself represented just, and, and the importance of like what that does to your self-worth and self-confidence mm-hmm. as you're kind of navigating the world as we all are. But yeah, so important. And I love that that's kind of like, you know, you're doing it for the next generation, but also for young Ariana. And I love, mm-hmm. I love that piece of it. Also doing it for myself too, right? I think there's yeah. this realization for my generation of millennials that we like hid who we were or wanted to reject our ancestors in a way. And so me, even just for myself, being able to understand myself and my identity and my cultural heritage through art is, is also selfish, which I think is okay, which is yeah, also totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, you have to be selfish to, in order to be selfless because yeah. it has to start with you. I, I'm like, I'm curious just for my own selfish reasons of like, what are some of the things that like some self-care practices or things that kind of like touch you back into yourself, whether that's watching art, creating art, or like other forms of self-care practices, like journaling or walking or anything like that. Like what are those things that kind of get, get you reflective? Yeah. I, the last like six months or so, I got really into journaling in the mornings and I think that's super helpful for me. And it's actually, it's definitely been transformative actually to learn about myself and to understand. I, I will have like conversations with friends or with my partner or with my, my parents and being like, I don't, I 
to do that. And then the next morning I'll journal and be like, I know exactly now. I, mm-hmm. It all has come to me. I am now wise and I understand it. And I think like I usually journal about reframe is my big word of the year. I'm like telling all of my friends, like, just reframe it, reframe it. And so like, I, I always think about a, an instant or a moment from the day before. And I will try to, if it's bothering me, reframe it. What is a different way? It's all just our mind, you know, the way that we think that there's one way. And just, just I believe in, in the way that we want to solve any issue. There are so many different ways that we can approach it. And so what is another way in that is more healing for ourselves? And so I'm really into the idea of reframing a situation that we can actually have the power in it. Because when we initially enter a problem, we feel powerless. And I think there's opportunity to always feel powerful and empowering in situations. So how can we reframe it so we have that power? Mm, Wow. The idea of reframe reminds me of like, that's creativity, like having a problem and then trying to think of answers or solutions to the problem in so many different ways. And like, that is kind of tapping into that innate creativity, which is so cool. I hadn't thought of it that before. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't thought of it either. I love that. Going back to Jeanette a little bit, will you tell us a little bit more about like, and I, and this kind of goes into like you as a multi-hyphenate. And I love that like you own being a multi-hyphenate so beautifully, like you're a singer songwriter, but you're also an actor who's shooting a movie and you were in Eliza in Hamilton, but you're also like writing the music and the lyrics for this musical and like, and all the different things that you do. How do you, how do you balance all of that and not get stuck in like one certain box, especially in this industry, but like, how do you kind of keep all those parts of yourself alive? Yeah, that's super interesting. I think that my generation and the younger generation are finally accepting it. I think I think the previous generation didn't understand, and this sounds like negative, but I will say I, I felt a little bit in the beginning, didn't understand you have to do one thing and this is your lane, you gotta stick with it. And and I and I just don't believe in that. I, I believe that we are art I'm an artist and the things that I care about the things that I, the stories that I want to tell, there are so many different mediums. So if the stories that I want to tell, that means I'm an actor this time, then I'm an actor this time. If the story I want to tell, that means I'm a composer, I'm a composer or a writer, whatever it may be, or maybe I'm a producer for one time. Like, I think that the, the, the core is what are the stories that need to be told? And then there are so many different mediums or ways into that conversation. Hmm. How to find the balance that I don't know that I'm, I struggle with constantly. But the one thing I will say is I think, I think one of my secret, like, skill set that I think is is probably critical to the multi-hyphen is asking for help. I have no shame in asking for help. And I have no shame in, in, I always want more people. I'm always like, great, you're good at this, you take that. You're good at that, you take that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, and I think I try to work and I'm not always saying I'm perfect at it. I of course struggle with it. I was raised in this patriarchal white society. So I find myself also butting heads, but like, I try to always work from a place of abundance. And I think the idea of working from scarcity is A, just falling victim to the society in which we were indoctrined into, but also working from a place of scarcity then means that you have to be good at everything. Mm. <laughs> and and that is way too hard to do, <laughs> like, you know? And, and, and there are so many people who are really, you know, I, I will say like, I'm a, I'm a really good singer. And that's actually how, that's how I, Right. I'm, I'm a I'm a shitty piano player. I'm a shitty producer, but I'm like, okay. So like I'll write through singing and 
vocal harmony because I'm a good singer. That's usually where my skill set lies. But then I'm okay at the other things. So then when I do like a decent job at putting something together, I'll be like, okay, you're a better producer, finish producing that. You're a better orchestrator, orchestrate that. You know what I mean? Like mm. I can't do it all. I can't, no one, not me, anyone can't do it all. And so if we want to be multi-hyphen, we have to be really good at working from abundance and, and onboarding people who are more skillful in other places. And that just, that's better work, I believe. I think that's better work. Yeah, again, it comes back to like finding your collaborators and working with collaborators. And I, and I wonder why the story of like being an artist has always been, you have, you know, to, to you kind of like have that image of the artist like working alone and like yeah. being very isolated, which I think again comes from our society and our cultural upbringing. And so it's just so cool to, to see us like, that actually is not disempowering, but empowering to ask for help. When we've kind of, but like, I feel like the common story that's been told is like, if you ask for help, you're weak and all those things. So it's cool to see, even in the art making process, how that can be yeah. really healing. And uh, yeah, just you make better things because people yeah. are again, finding their zone of genius and serving in the role that they're supposed to serve rather than like trying to do everything alone. Totally. I think there's also like monetary, right? Cause there's so much free labor that has to be done when it comes to artistry in the creation of it. There's, you know, and, and I don't have the solution to that. I, I don't even, I, I, I am not in a place to even start that conversation because it's so difficult to continue to create from a place of, there's just privilege associated with it, right? Like the only reason I was able to create Jeanette is because I had savings that was created in Hamilton. You know what I mean? Like all of the reality of like economic freedom that allows for, for creativity to happen. But, but I think that's also a reality of where scarcity comes from. It's like, but I worked so hard on this. Mm. I want to make the most money. And I'm like, yeah, but if I, I'm not going to, I want to make a shit ton of money too. There's no denying. I'm not like, I'm all about making a lot of money. That's not, that's never a question with me, but I'm like, but the reality is if we bring more people on, we're going to have a faster chance of mm. making more money, you know? Yeah. That's funny that you say that because I remember you came to the O'Neill to do a residency to work on Jeanette and you gave like a Q and A with the students. And I remember you saying that you, your mentor was a venture capitalist. Yeah. And that has stuck with me since then, because it, it just was like, it feel, it seemed to me at the time, like so out of left field, but it also was so cool. Cause it's like surrounding ourselves with not just artists and like people who understand things like money. And I feel like even as artists, it's, it's taboo to talk about money and like, you know, we're in it because we love it and not because we need to get paid when like the reality is we need to get paid. Yeah. And I think this, you know, maybe comes back to you surrounding yourself with people that, you know, you can learn things from, but like, yeah, will you talk about like finding a mentor and like what, what that does for you? Yeah. I mean, my mentors have always like shifted and morphed and as well, but yeah, in terms of like, I, I think there's like definitely different schools of thought when it comes to artistry. Like there's the school of thought of, you know, everything needs to be, we need to be paid for every single moment of our time and effort. And, and that is, I don't even know, I, I agree with that, but I don't even know how to begin to have that conversation actually. I'm just not, I don't think I'm like, I don't think I'm knowledgeable enough or evolved enough to even know how to start to tackle that. So I'll just know that I have privilege in that reality of not having to tackle that conversation. So I would like to talk, tackle that, I just need more knowledge and I need more understanding and empathy around it. But the reality is I, I don't, I, I also believe that art, there, it, I don't think it's exclusive. I don't think it's like we create art because we love it, but that doesn't mean that we can't make money. I, I, I disagree with that. I think that there's a lot of money to be made and I believe that we need to, I believe we need to dissociate with this idea that art is, 
is just is free and art is because we want to change the world. It's like, no, I also make, make a shit ton of money off of it. Like we should, we should, we should be compensated for that. The reality of like the discrepancy between, between the people who make um, an orbitant amount of money, I think that that needs to be more equalized. Just as like, I think the same thing in sports. Now we're going on a different tangent, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to answer that that question. I don't think I have enough, I have enough knowledge. I think just the reality is I'm not interested in doing I'm not interested in just doing things because I love it and doing things because this is the only way that this is the only thing that my heart can, yeah. can do. I'm also really interested in, in policymaking. I'm interested in getting my master's in public policy and mm. actually have deferred to, to, to make that happen. And, and it's because I actually believe in the power of art and it's not just because like, it's the only thing I can do. And, and I think that, I think that there is there's also money to be made in that. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. No, no, that makes sense. And like, it kind of brings me to how that has informed the making of Jeanette. And like, when you're holding that belief so steadfastly, like, has that, has that informed the way that you've made Jeanette and the way that you continue to make Jeanette as like it, it, as it keeps going? Like, how has that, that belief, like, or that perspective really like allowed it to unfold the way it is? Mm -hmm. I think because I'm also just not fixated on the art aspect, which is something that I struggle with too. But I'm not just interested in making the musical and then like, then you figure out the rest. It's like, no, no, no. How can we talk about auditioning differently? How can we talk about investing differently? How can we talk about access to seats differently? How can we talk about education differently? You know, we we partnered with City Year to be able to create a curriculum in, in which which happened already. And so now we're talking about the implementation of this curriculum in a, in a different way, which is like not the way that shows are made. Talking about like the idea of the idea of equity crowdfunding. And, and so there I think there are so many different things that I'm interested in. I'm also going to fuck it up. I'm also going to get it wrong, but I'm also, again, like trying to collaborate with people who are more experts in different, in different fields, able to start to ask those questions. So I think it informs Jeanette in the sense that I, I, I personally am not just interested in making a great musical, which I am interested in, and I'm interested in making a lot and making money off of that. But I'm also interested in like, how can we, how can we question all the different ways of how things are done to make it actually, if, we, if the show is about access, right? That show is about access to voting and that needs to be integral into every aspect of the show being made. Mm, yeah, well, it, again, it reminds me of like, just the overall creativity that it takes to be able to think outside the box and like, to not just do it in ways that it's been done before and really ask, again, ask those questions and, and come at it from a place of curiosity so that then you're, answering the right questions or at yeah. least the questions that you're yeah. intending on answering. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it. And it's like, it's like, and it's also like, I've had, I've had a, so much fear of like, am I going to mess it up? Am I going to just screw it up? And I'm going to disappoint people and I'm going to do it wrong. And sometimes my questions can be wrong. And sometimes the solutions are wrong and, and I don't want to hurt more people. But so I, I, I hope, I, I, I think the main thing is like, you know, is, is continuing to ask those questions, even though we're going to do it wrong, yeah. even though there may be decisions that are wrong being made. And I, and I, and, and the reality is like taking the, the, gr the brunt of those wrong decisions and, and being like, I hope that there's grace. Sometimes they won't be grace. Sometimes it'll be such a bad decision, but yeah. um, so it's, it's just, it's continuing to surround yourself so you can also feel confident and brave continuing to ask that. Cause I I'm scared about it all the time. Totally. I mean, that sounds so hard and just like, not a lot of people do that. So just, I mean, 
thank you for paving the way forward because I feel oh, like not, there, there are so many people who are, I, and there are people I'm not doing it. It's we, we are doing it mm. right. Like it's not me. It's yeah. people have done it already before people have done it already before. It's just, it's easier to do it the other way. So mm. I think it just takes, it's not, I wouldn't be able to do it without the community. I also planting ideas and be like, oh, that's really interesting. Listening to BFRJ or Affect, these are, you know, or Broadway Advocacy Coalition. That's really interesting. Hmm. Oh, you're talking about it too. Oh, what, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's everybody doing it together. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I like keep coming back to this question. I think I asked in the beginning of like, how do you find your collaborators and your community? And I asked that because I feel like there's a tendency for me at least. And I think other people I've talked to where like, you just feel like, well, I don't even know where to start. Like I have this dream or this idea, but I don't even know who to reach out to. Like, I don't even know how to find the spaces that those people would be in. And so I'm interested in hearing about like how it's worked for you and like how you've found those specific people and like, how do you begin to search for them? How do you surround yourself with things that will then spark that next reach out or whatever that is? Like, how does that all work? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main thing is like, what, what do you what are you interested in instead of just like this is my idea and this is what I, what what is interesting to you right and and this is like what is interesting to me i'll just start from the trajectory of i'll also i'll start from the trajectory of hamilton like what's interesting to me is like i i i want to be surrounded by badass women right that's interesting to me so i'm going to get involved with the women's march the united state of women the aclu i'll also admit i you know acknowledge that i had privilege in the sense of having the having the notoriety of hamilton so there's no um, denying that. Mm -hmm. uh, but but st I think starting with the question of like, what are what are things, the question is, I wanted to see more women represented just as a whole, right? So then I'm going to surround, I'm going to get involved with different organizations to be able to like, who who are already leading the charge, right? We can't mm -hmm. like, that we have to lead, we have to get involved in people who are, are people, whenever you have an idea or a question of like, I want to change this, there are already a million people who are already doing it. Mm -hmm. You're not the first one to think of this idea, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, so instead of being like, now I'm going to do this, like, it's like, no, no, now I'm going to join this. I'm going to join this. Right. So it's like, whatever the thing that you want to do, like, again, just speaking for myself, I want to see more women represented, whatever that in, in politics, in art, in, on stage, behind the camera, whatever it may be, then start getting involved with organizations who are already doing that. And then you can learn. It's there's so much learning that has to be done, right? And and I'm continuously learning. We are continuously learning. And the organizations that we can get involved with, it's continuously growing and changing. So I think it's already join join organizations or join the movement that you're already interested in. Um, and then you find your people. Yeah, I love that. Just like instead of thinking that you have to reinvent the wheel, like you can just you can surround yourself and like learn from people that are already doing it because there are people doing it and we're not alone. This question just like popped in, which is a little random, but I'm just like, where do you find joy? Like, where do you find, I, I wanted to ask you like where you find inspiration, but I feel like you kind of exude that already. So it's like, what, what do you do for joy? Where do you find that joy? I love the outdoors a lot. Nature is hugely important to me. And so like, for example, I'm, I'm doing this workshop in Montana in July and my partner is meeting me at the end and we're going to go camping in Yellowstone for five days afterwards, you know, and I'm like planning my first thing that I'm going to do in the outdoors. So I, I love, I love going on hikes. I love 
being outside and and making sure that I find that a priority. I really notice when I don't do it. I, I was here quarantining. I'm in Toronto. I was quarantining for two weeks. You can't leave your apartment at all. And so it was really difficult. And the weather was bad. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. And then the first time that I was able to get out, I walked for 10 miles. I walked to the nearest park. And, and I was like, oh, there's such a huge difference when that happens. So I love being outside. And I love trying to prioritize of hiking and being in nature as much as possible. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Nature is like connects us to ourselves, but also the outside world and, and just does so much to us. And I love sharing creative resources on this podcast. So that's like books, podcasts, music, things that you're listening to, or things, content that you're engaging with that inspires you. And so curious what those are for you at this moment can change. Yeah. I mean, the podcast that I listen to every morning is democracy now. So mm. If that's where I get a lot of <laughs> information. And, and then I'll just say, if you're, if you are in theater, I think organizations to really follow our BFRJ, Affect Change, our Broadway Advocacy Coalition, and the Industry Standard Group. I think those are four orgs to just follow and, and look for, for guidance. Mm, beautiful. And that BFRJ is Broadway for Racial Justice. Sorry. Yes. Mm -hmm. okay, cool. Beautiful. And what are you looking forward to? I know that you mentioned you're doing this uh, TV show or movie. Like, where do you see yourself? Oh. Where, what do you kind of envision for yourself? You know, I, I think continuing to perform, I think this year has actually made me realize I, I, I miss singing a lot. And I think I didn't, I, I took it for granted a little bit, to be quite honest. So continuing to perform, continuing to compose, hopefully on, on stages in which it can reach people and continuing to, to work with folks that are willing to ask hard questions and, and try to make, try to make change in that. I don't know. That sounds so cheesy. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I love that. And just one, one more question. Cause I'm curious for you, like being a singer and performing on stage, like when you're in that moment, do you feel like in flow when you're singing on stage or like, what does that feel like for you? Yeah. Referencing the awesome, but also problematic movie of soul. Yeah. I think it depends on what I'm singing though, to be quite honest. Okay. I noticed towards the end of, I was performing at a lot of different functions and, and there were some times where it just felt like work and sometimes where it felt like in flow. And so that's why I was starting to question. I was like, Oh, do I even like performing anymore? And, mm. and then this year of, of only performing virtual has made me like, no, I, I really do. But I think it's it's also not like, I don't know if this is the word to use in this particular moment, but it's also like not monolithic. It's not like I love, I, I wanna just perform always and forever. I think it's also like, I'm starting to find power and being like, oh no, this is what I really love to do. And it's okay mm -hmm. for me to say no. It's okay for me to be like, actually, I don't love to do that. Even though it seems similar, I've actually become very clear about what I like and what I don't like. And I'm not saying I have it figured out, but I'm starting to like understand moments that I love and I, I don't love and, and, and that'll change. But um, being a little bit more selective is something that I struggle with. But I, I, I think that this year outside of, you know, separated from being able to perform will hopefully change that for me. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for saying that. And lastly, where can people find you if they're interested in connecting with you and seeing what you're up to? Yeah, I mean, probably like a stereotypical millennial Instagram is the easiest way. I'm Ariana Afsar, which A-R-I-A-N-N-A-A-F as in Frank, S as in Sam, A-R on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. 
I'm not on TikTok. I tried that. Can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. And yeah, my, my website is the same too. But yeah, yeah. Follow me on Instagram. I have all the updated things that I'm working on there. Cool. And Jeanette has their own Instagram too, right? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Jeanette Musical, J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E, Instagram and website. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And you can listen to the concept album, like you said, is yeah. on Spotify, which I have it on repeat most days. I love it. So amazing. <laughs> yeah. Super honored and really excited to be able to partner with Sony on this. You know, it's not very common that you have a concept album released before there is being on Broadway, you know, whatever. Like the, the way that we're doing things is very untraditional and to have partners and collaborators that believe in that vision is really, really cool. So we're excited to be working with them. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much, Ari. We'll talk soon. Yay, thanks. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul. Thank you.